you can find me at stats war on twitter i am posting all sorts of weird fun charts and graphs these days up over there so come find them and uh laugh at the aggies who are yelling about them in my comments TCU heads to Manhattan, Kansas this weekend to take on the Wildcats, coached by Chris Kleiman, multiple FCS national champion, Chris Kleiman, and a Kansas State rushing attack that is pretty beefy. Uh, Kansas State has looked at times amazing and at times inept this year, very similar to TCU. And in fact, we have kind of a, a mirror image situation here where both teams are, are struggling on offense and, and pretty pretty decent on defense. So it'll be interesting to see what gives. Uh, my second guest I talked to today a little bit about that, um, Jimmy. You might know him as at uh, KSU underscore fan uh, on Twitter. He posts a bunch of colorful charts about per drive stats and the five factors and everything is really great. But we talk about how Kansas State and TCU are mirror images. Um, and then I have Grant on at the beginning to go over Gary Patterson's press conference and a little bit of the TCU side of the TCU Kansas game. SP plus has this as TCU favored by three. It also picks the over, which is astounding to me. The over is 45 in this game and 45 feels like a whole lot of points, but we will see how things shake out this weekend. Go ahead and make sure that you follow at frogs of war and me at stats of war. And you can follow all of our pregame information and preview this week up on the site um, and other than that enjoy the episode and let me know what you think it's wednesday and we're back here with grant mcgallier grant how's it going uh, it's going great parker how are you uh doing well doing well i'm normally podcast from my bathroom and i'm there yet again but i'm glad that it's not 150 degrees outside because that means I don't sweat um, in this one room of my house. So it's a, it's a pleasant evening. We have a game this week. We made it through the bye week. Um, I wanted to say that TCU won bye week, but we might get into a couple of reasons why they didn't win mm-hmm. bye week, namely some defensive health issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll talk about that. And then we'll get into a little bit of Kansas State and what TCU can look forward to this weekend. So let's start first. Grant, you had a pretty detailed piece, and I kind of... Uh, quote tweeted some of it about Gary Patterson's press conference on Tuesday. So tell, for those of us that have followed, uh, tell us, what did you hear on Tuesday from Gary Patterson uh, coming off the second bye week, headed into this stretch of seven games? Uh, What is his mentality? What is his attitude kind of going forward? Yeah. So from um, a strategic standpoint, from, um, you know, kind of practices, stuff like that, um, I I think it was a productive week for the Horned Frogs just based on what um, Patterson said, what Darius Anderson said, what Trevon Morig said. Um, I think uh, it was a get better week in Patterson's terms. They focused a little bit on Kansas State last week. I think they obviously obviously did more of that this week. But, um, you know, he, he was not happy last you know, after the Iowa State game with the defensive secondary in particular, with the defense as a whole. Um, so they, they worked a lot on defense last week. And judging by what they said, I think they did get better. I think there still is a strong work ethic on this team, despite losing two games early in the season. Um, so that's a positive. Uh, they got some guys back. They got some guys that won't come back this season. So that's kind of an issue. We could talk about that. But I think overall it was a positive. But um you know, it, it's really just Patterson says, I mean, you judge a bye week, but kind of based on what happens in the next game. And that's what we're going to find out if they did their work on Saturday against Kansas State. 
Definitely. Um, yeah, I saw he had some comments specifically about kind of, again, committing to this this run ideology that yeah. is yeah. frustrating just because – here's here's the really quote. The quote and, – and you wrote a great piece and I felt like on Twitter I needed to say, hey, I like Grant. I'm not making fun of him. I'm making right, fun right, of right. what's happening here. But uh, yeah, Patterson said the Frogs don't have the personnel to run the same type of high-octane offense they did in the 2014-15 seasons with Boykin at quarterback. Mm-hmm. But then also he's saying that the passing game opened up because we were behind in a loss. Yeah. and Or we were, we were losing and we were behind. And so that's the only reason that the passing game opened up. So it feels like there's a little bit of tension there of – we can only score when we're losing. Otherwise, we don't have the personnel. And also, we should run more. That feels a little confusing to me. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'm going to make this clear. Um, I, I I wouldn't necessarily say Patterson said that, um, said, explicitly said that the passing game opened up just because they were trailing. I, I think that was more analysis on my part. But but what Patterson said was that, you know, it, it, it the personnel is, you know, Max Duggett as a freshman quarterback. Um a bunch of redshirt freshmen, sophomore wide receivers that don't have a lot of experience. And so he doesn't feel comfortable pushing the tempo or Sonny Cumbie or whoever doesn't feel comfortable pushing the tempo because they don't have guys that are played in that system. Um, I think Patterson also really likes the TCU run game. We talked about that um, a couple weeks ago when he mentioned that, you know, it's the best that TCU's had since the Ladanian Tomlinson era. Um, So we said, you know, when we can run the football, it's helped us because it opens everything else. And what we weren't able to do against Iowa State was we couldn't run the football. You've got to be able to run the football no matter who you play. So for you, Parker, I know you love that as a big established the run guy. But you know, I mean, I mean, what are your takeaways from Patterson's uh, stance there? So I just think that's I just think that's so confusing because mm. I noted this earlier this week. Oregon State is rushing for more yards and yards of play than TCU is right now. And Oregon State, Jonathan Smith doing great stuff. I don't mean to besmirch him. I'm just saying in the in the cosmology of the universe of football right now, hanging your hat on the run game when Oregon State is running better than you are, right. it feels like maybe you're not focusing on the right things. And so I'm just a little frustrated because I think uh, the stats bear it out, but also more importantly, the just, you know, watching the game board out on on the Iowa State game in particular, Gary spent a lot of time talking about his defense. And mm-hmm. he's a smart guy. I respect him. I'm not trying to trash Gary. Um, how would be his name? But he also didn't mention at all. No one asked the question I wanted to ask, which was, wh- like, why was it all of a sudden clicking in the second half? Was it, I mean, was there a big blitz that they stopped putting on because they were playing prevent and we could undercut them? Or why were we attacking the middle of the field in the second half and not doing that in the beginning? Um, and so I think... Gary is a little bit of turn inward and fix yourself and a little bit of football ease. And so I think, I'm, you know, some of this is him just saying, hey, I've got to say things, so I'm going to say them. But it seems really, really like there was this clear dichotomy in the Iowa State game of what this team is versus what this team could be. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why we're not focusing on how do we make ourselves what we could be, what we were in the second half offensively. Why are we not doing that the whole game? Yeah, no, I I think that's totally fair. And, and I think that, um, I'm not playing devil's advocate here because I agree with you. I, I, I think the argument would be that, um, you know, it, when you say what the offense could be, it's with everyone working at their full effectiveness. I think Duggan is still, 
even though I'm in his corner in terms of he should be the permanent starter for TCU, he still does show signs of, you know, he needs to work into a game. He's not very effective during the first quarter, with the exception of the Kansas game, which he's playing Kansas, so he should be effective. Um, and there have been injuries and in, you know, in the wide receiver core. Um, it's not been a consistent set of guys. So I think um, Patterson feels comfortable with Darius Anderson, you know, at running back or Shaywell Longalua and um Although he, he does have confidence in Duggan, I mean, you know, he he taught you said yesterday that Duggan is probably ahead of where Andy Dalton was at, at this point in their careers. Um, you know, he he knows he can be good, but I think he just thinks the running game is a more sure thing right now. And for a defensive coach, like I'm sure that's what he wants is to be able to run the ball, get four yards of carry, whatever, and assume that's going to win him ball game. Yeah, and and I respect that, and that does kind of lead towards Gary's defensive leanings. Right. I think saying that diplomatically, uh, because again, he knows a lot more than I do. It's just, right. It, it feels like we're taking all these variables as given and we're not saying, well, yes, our passing game is tough and we have a lot of drops and Max Duggan takes a little bit to get going. Okay. What, what are we doing about that? Well, we're running the ball on first and 10, 10 times to start off the game, right. you know? And that feels like that's where the inconsistency is. I understand what you're saying. And yes, Duggan has flaws. Absolutely. Um, but you've, you, it feels like we should take more Duggan being flawed as the constant, as opposed to here's how our offense works right. and Duggan's going to have to adapt. I you, you, Players over scheme, uh, always and everywhere. Lincoln Riley said that in an interview the other day. Yep. If, you're, if your scheme is not quarterback friendly, you need a new scheme. Yep. And I feel that a little bit now. And it's frustrating because you've seen Cumbie do what he can do. Mm-hmm. Um, you've seen him at times adapt, and he's just having trouble with Duggan for whatever yeah. reason. I don't need to go on that soapbox. No, and, and, I, 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 and I didn't mean to like take a pot shot at Cumbie. I, I just meant, you know, like I, I think the coaches at this point are probably like the run game is more of a sure thing, is, is right. what I meant. Yeah. Right. But, uh, but and so, yeah. I, I will say this though, like every player you talk to, like I'm sure it's probably boilerplate what they've been told to say, but I believe what they're telling us about Duggan that like they have faith in this guy. Like and, and they mm-hmm. like Delton for sure, and a lot of them like Michael Collins, but talking to Darius Anderson yesterday, like <laughs> Darius is very high on Max Duggan. Like that's a good sign yeah. for the TCU offense. Definitely. Um, and, and yeah, and, and we've talked about body language before. We don't need to rehearse yeah. that, but there are times when Duggan gets going, the team feels different and that's, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Um, okay. Anything, anything else notable from, from Gary's, uh, press conference yesterday? No, I don't Tuesday? think so. I, th- I think he, he, he did mention, um, as far as injuries go, um, Keon Stewart's back. Um, uh, the frogs do have uh, Ben Wilson back at linebacker. Um, LeKendrick Van Zant, uh, I, I believe is out for this upcoming game. I think, uh, Wyatt Harris. We'll, we'll, we'll take a spot at the starting linebacker, um, which is interesting. Interesting. Um, but uh, that's that's pretty much it on that front. There are wide receivers back. That's uh, Taya Barber and Mikhail Barkley are back, um, which will be good for um, for the offense. But, but but that's pretty much as far as the injury front goes and, and what Patterson touched on. Cool, cool. Uh, I do want to bring up one thing. I feel like it's appropriate that we talk about this. I did see Gary Patterson mention – potentially bringing a turnover celebration to oh, yeah. the TCU sideline. Oh, yeah. And I've got to say, I'm all about let's have more fun. Big fan of let's have more fun. TCU doesn't get many turnovers uh, the last two, no. two and a half years. And so this worries me uh, a little <laughs> bit. I'm skeptical about this idea of 
something gaudy on the sidelines. I mean, there was there was SMU confetti on the field mm-hmm. for days after that. Um, so what do you, what do you think he's getting at there? What do you think he's tapping into with the team, yeah. saying we need to have more fun? So let's do something goofy. I'll put the, I'll, I'll put it in context. Patterson was asked about um, TCU has yet to recover a fumble this season. Um, yeah. Which to me is I mean is shocking. I know I know fumble you know fumbles are probably the the luckiest part of football, if you will. It's kind of it's literally where the ball bounces. Um, but uh, Patterson said, you know, he doesn't know about that. You know, they they practice turnovers twice a week. Um, but his full quote is, you know, we probably won't start this game, but we need to have more fun, to be honest with you. So we might start some of that stuff that everybody else is doing in our own way. Um, some of that stuff that everybody else is doing is, you know, turnover routines. Um, yeah. So. That can go a lot of different ways. I think TCU has enough uh, cultural or culture around it to, uh, you know, to build their own type of turnover routine. But I, I, I it seems to me like TCU would be one of the last teams to adopt that, just because Patterson is such a, uh, let's call him an old school guy. You know what I mean? And not right, necessarily right. A, a let's have fun guy on the sidelines. I'm thinking specifically of some big swings and misses for TCU in the past. Do you remember the uh, frog rappers who, like, in the third quarter would come into the end zone? I think it was only one year. I can't remember if it was This would have been before 16. I was there. I, no, I, no, I don't no. remember that. Way more recently. Someone someone who's listening is going to have to tweet me and tell me about this because I can't remember. I can't remember anything except it was when Oklahoma State came and beat us like 31 to nothing and we just couldn't do anything. Okay. And the frog rappers came out and there was this point in my life where I was like, I don't know who said this was okay. I don't know who thought this was a good idea. This is terrible. And so that's what I'm worried about with the turnover. Okay. Um, but we are getting a little journalistic here. here, And so let's let's get a healthy separation of that. What's your ideal turnover celebration? Let's say they're going to do it. What should they yeah. do? Yeah. Um. <laughs> I do want to give a shout out to my friend Andrew Bender, who suggested a turnover Venmo, which is that everyone in the crowd Venmos the turnover recipient a dollar. I think that's illegal, but I do like the idea of it. And if TCU was a school in California, I would suggest it. Um, oh yeah, I think my ideal turnover routine. Um, honestly, I like what my uh, what the high school I cover, uh, Granbury High School, does, which is a a um, kind of a kitty basketball goal on the sideline. And then the return over recipient comes off, and he gets an alley oop football and dunks it on the sideline, uh, and it's oh, a turnover nice. dunk. And I think TCU, now that we're a basketball school, um, is you know I think I think that I think this is the right time to implement that. That's pretty awesome. I was yeah I was trying to think of like Cowboys something okay kind of like so... Fort Worth West, and I couldn't come up with anything that wasn't like potentially animal like you couldn't drive a cattle you know you sure. couldn't drive a cow up the you couldn't like whip a cow and drive him. I don't know. You couldn't keep him there. Uh, so I was trying to come up with something like Fort Worth or whatever. Um, and so that's what, that's what I thought is like some kind of gaudy cowboy hat or something, because you can see them being like, we know this is stupid. Yep. You put it on and then we talk and then go, but I like the dunk. I feel like the dunk is probably the front. Runner. What I'm worried. So I love the cowboy idea. What I'm worried about is that it's going to be one of those like, uh, like rocking horses outside of H-E-B. You put like a quarter in and then you ride it. And I feel like that's probably not the effect we want. want That's actually exactly what I want is is (laughs) that. Is the little like porcelain looking, it's got chipped paint. Yes, that's exactly what I want. I think think if we embrace that, that's a great idea. And I'm all in. Yeah, no, Uh, I I just, I I crowdsourced my friends and 90% of the ideas they came up with, I'm not allowed to read out on a podcast or write. (laughs) But um, 
I, yeah, I, I didn't think about that. On second thought, the porcelain chipped horse might be the way TCU needs to go. Right, right. Yeah, just like very Gary Patterson. I don't, sure. Yeah, I don't know. Sure. Oh, man. Um, okay, so we didn't really have a game to recap. That serves as our recap. Let's move into uh, let's move into the game this week. Uh, TCU heads to uh, the Little Apple, mm-hmm. Manhattan, Kansas, and they are going to face a Kansas State team who has been a little bit of a roller coaster this year. Yeah. Um, Kansas State started off strong. They beat Mississippi State. They looked good beating up on some other bad teams. At one point, um, Skylar Thompson was second in the Big 12 in passing EPA. He's still towards the top, although he's fallen and Max Duggan is growing on him. But uh, Kansas State has looked pretty good, and then they've looked a little bit underwhelming. So, mm-hmm. Grant, um, I'm going to list their wins off as we as we do that. So they, they beat Mississippi State. Um, and then have had a little bit of a rough go in conference play, scoring only 12 points uh, against Baylor and only 13 against Oklahoma State after mm-hmm. scoring 30 points in their first one, two, three games. Mm-hmm. Tell me about Kansas State. Well, I think any numbers, um, any kind of raw numbers for Kansas State that aren't pace adjusted are going to be really really wild because kansas state loves to hold on to the ball um they're second nationally in uh time of possession in a game they've uh, held the ball for an average of 35 minutes and 22 seconds per game against bowling green they held the ball for 42 minutes and 52 seconds that's like Jeez. navy numbers um so they've loved to slow the game down um, obviously they have a new head coach this year and chris Kleiman, who came over from north dakota state where he won three national titles in four years. Um, he kind of kept the same run emphasis that Bill Snyder did. Um, it's a little bit of a different system. Um, they like to throw a lot of different running backs at you. Um, they are a run emphasis team, although um, Skylar Thompson, like you said, is an efficient passer, albeit not for many yards, but he you know, he, he, he will complete passes. Um, but the main thing is, is that they love to hold on to the ball, and, and they convert a ton of third downs, and they don't, give up a lot of third downs. They're also very well-disciplined. They are 22nd nationally in fewest penalties per game, and they haven't had, or they didn't have an offensive turnover until the fourth game of the season. Um, so they're well-disciplined, they don't turn the ball over, and they hold on the ball as long as they possibly can, um, which add that all together, and it's extremely frustrating for a team. Definitely. They... Um... Yeah, I mean that's just that's just good middle America football. Yeah. Uh, Climbing somebody I've I've watched and enjoyed um, having my feet in the Big Sky Conference for a little bit. Uh, you you know, kind of watching that transition from mm-hmm. Craig Bull to him that's impressive. And we forget like the Big Twelve top to bottom might have the best coaching roster out of any. Oh conference. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. It's hard to find a weak link. Uh, it really really is. And yeah, Kansas State is 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 a weird team because they um, are basically. A very stodgy team. You know, mm-hmm. they're averaging, uh, I'm just looking at early downs 2019, looking at their offenses, and they're in the negative on EPA, and so is TCU. But they're only averaging 4.9 yards per rush, mm-hmm. and they're only passing 36% of the time. So on average, they're running about 65% of the time, and they're only gaining five yards uh, five yards per rush, which is, is pretty low, is actually in the bottom four of the conference. So a little bit of a paradox there um, as they are kind of, they're, they're not explosive um, and right. they're not looking to be explosive. They're looking to chip away. 
I'm worried that that is going to be actually a very bad pace pairing kind of con- conflicting style with TCU trying to establish the run to get momentum because it feels like what's going to happen is TCU is just going to hit their head against the brick wall over and over and over again and never get that momentum and Kansas State is just going to bleed us dry. Um, S&P, or excuse me, SP Plus, has TCU favored by three but predicts the over and I feel like that, the over, the line is 45 I feel like that is ambitious. That is uh, really over. ambitious. I did not know that. Yeah, that's wild. Um, I mean, well, Kansas State has scored, thir- like you said earlier, 13 points and 12 points in Big 12 play. And with respect to Oklahoma State and Baylor, TCU is probably the best defense they'll play all season. Um, um, oh, I'll, oh, oh, no? to the contrary. No? Okay, my bad, my bad. Educate me, uh, Big 12 def- defenses, uh, expected points added per play. Versus FBS competition. Sure. Number five, TCU, allowing just over zero points, uh, expected points added. So okay. 0. 0.003. Kansas State, negative 0.05. Texas Tech, negative 0.09. Iowa State, negative 0.15. And Baylor, negative 0.19. Really? So that's not okay. opponent adjusted, but it is filtered for FBS. And so there is some, uh, there's a little bit of variation no. in there, yeah. but yeah. Baylor is almost two points. Uh, or twenty percent of twenty percent of a point better than TCU is huh. on defense in terms of expected points added right okay. now. Well, I stand corrected. Yeah. But one of the better defense to play all year, definitely I mean, top sure. half. Um, sure. And they're they're going to have to. I mean, they they haven't shown that they can score on a good team. Okay. Um, and that could really be in TCU's uh, favor. It could be, you know, a little bit of a cure-all for TCU's defensive struggles, mm-hmm. which in turn kind of bleeds into the offense. We've seen when the defense does what it's supposed to, Kansas, first drive, three and out, and then a touchdown. That's beautiful. If we could do that versus Kansas State, this would be another similar game. Uh, I just don't know if if we will. Right. I, no, for sure. Um, and, and again, I think it's going to come down to TCU being able to sustain drives on offense because... Um, you know, again, these are raw numbers. I'm, I'm not as smart as you, but the Kansas State defense is second nationally on third downs. They only allow a 20.8 third down uh, conversion percentage. Um, and they're fourth and first downs allowed, um, 20 seconds going per game. So it, it's going to come down to the offense being able to sustain drives and give the defense a little bit of time to rest. Because Kansas State, especially against a team like TCU that even though they're not as up-tempo as 2014-15, wants to move the ball fast, Kansas State is going to win the battle of possession, and the defense is going to be on the field for a large portion of this game. So Max Duggan, the running game, guys like that that are going to be able to you know, keep drives alive, I, it, it sounds cliched, and I know that, but I really think that's going to be an important part of the game. And we've talked about, you know, running good first down plays that aren't going to put us at second and eight or second and nine. And instead it's going to be second and four or second and three and being a little more aggressive. I think you can do that against this defense. Um, TCU just has to do it. You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, yeah. And that, and that's part of it is like execution. I mean, on, on paper, this should, this should be a win. Right. Um, execution. We're going to be worried about, um, I will note, I'm, I was looking for this, uh, this chart. I, uh, saw on on Twitter a chart that just kind of ranked the pace and mm. Kansas State is the second slowest power five team third slowest behind Utah and Wisconsin and then Kansas State God. in terms okay. of yeah uh, seconds per play so it's not that's not time right uh that's not like possession time but that's just seconds per play Kansas State is really really slow TCU is at about 26 they're just above national average and just okay. above big 12 average 
in terms of being slower. And Kansas is about 31 seconds per play. So they're they're really allowing the entire play clock to mm-hmm. go. They're really doing that ground and pound. And so it, it's going to be a little bit like bowling uh, in that they're going to get a turn and then we're going to get a turn and we're going to have to make it count because we're not going to we're not going to be able to recover later on. We're not, it's going to be similar to Iowa State. If we don't make it count earlier, it's going to be too too big of a hole. I'm going to be honest. I did not expect a bowling comparison today. I was going to say baseball, but the Cardinals just lost. I'm a little bitter, so you know how it is. Uh, well, my Astros are still alive, Parker. That's a real shame. Oh, your okay. Astros. Well, well hey, I, I know. Uh, <laughs> I think I got an interview at 8.15, so, so I, I want a prediction from you. Okay. Give me a prediction. I think this is going to be the exact same game as last year, except okay. it's going to be... 17-16. And I think TCU wins. Okay. I'll, but I think... Okay, go ahead. Because that's... My question is going to be best case scenario, worst case scenario, you know? And so I'm, I'm going to answer that and then I'll ask it to you. Sure. But like best case scenario, three and out and a touchdown and then we're playing with house money moving forward. Yep. Um, but worst case scenario is we get into a battle of who can establish the run. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, TCU's offense looks like it has, and Kansas State puts up, you know, touchdowns where TCU puts up field goals, and you're looking at a fourth quarter, two, fourth quarter two-score deficit, and Kansas State has the ball. So um, that feels very, very plausible, and I'm very yeah. worried about that. I think a lot of this depends on whoever, you know, this is this is dumb, but whoever wins the first quarter probably wins the game. Yeah. Mostly because the better team should mm-hmm. be ahead at the end of the first quarter more often than not, but also because I think that'll that'll be a lot of how did this game, how did stylistically this game kind of fall out? Who's getting who to play each other's game? Right. So yeah. Right. What about what about you? Best case scenario, worst case scenario prediction? Yeah. Well, so let me start with worst case because I I, I really don't think Kansas State's offense can put up a ton of points against the TCU defense. Um, it's just not built to score against the, the type of defense TCU plays. Um, I think the worst case scenario is that the TCU offense, like you said, just kind of gets into a, well, we're going to establish the run, and then just doesn't do that. Um, has some early three and outs, allows Kansas State to score you know, once or twice in the first half, and it, and it turns into a, you know, let's call it 20 to 10 Kansas State win. I think best case scenario is that TCU opens it up. Again, I, you know, this is a unlikely scenario, but TCU opens it up a little bit, um, gets some points early, and and the defense makes a stand. I, I I do think TCU should win this game on paper by. I'm not going to say a big margin because Kansas State doesn't lose games by big margins, but I, I do think TCU should win. I'm going to call it 24 to 14 a TCU win. I think. Um, Again, just on paper, looking at the roster, looking at you know all the stats, I, I at least the raw stats that my dumb brain can understand, TCU should win this game easily um, because Kansas State controls the pace of play. I'll call it twenty four or fourteen, but but TCU should win. Yeah, I agree with that. I think again, I think right now Baylor is clearly better than we are. Yeah. I think Oklahoma State is coin flip better than we are, yeah. just a little bit, and so I think we should definitely be able to. Again, everything's functioning, but who knows? I mean, who knows what's happening in this? You've got to think like, if I'm Jalen Rager and I have a bye week and I look back at my first five games of what is my last season, I am extremely unhappy. Oh yeah. So I wonder if that's not going to change. I have been on the record as saying that I hope that this game is the Max Duggan 
yeah. mad scientist passing experiment yeah. lab- laboratory like crazy. Um, and so hopefully we'll try some things to get Rager going and uh, and kind of spread it out. I, I think TCU is every bit of capable of beating Kansas State as soundly as they beat Kansas. Mm. It just depends on kind of that first shot. Sure. Um, but I think, I think that teens, low 20s range just – from sheer pace is probably what's going to, where it's going to land. Yeah, bet the under is basically what we're saying. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Bet the under, yeah. Um, okay, uh, other games. Anything interesting you're keeping your eye on outside of, it can be Big 12, it can be not Big 12, outside of the TCU game this weekend? Yeah, let me pull up the schedule. Um, I, I, while I'm pulling that up, I just want to point out one thing. Um, I I'm, was really interested in the Oklahoma-Texas game last week. Um and I think Texas provided a really great blueprint on how not to play defense against Jalen Hurts because they basically seeded um, like 10 yards from the line of scrimmage, and Jalen said, okay, great, I'm just going to take that, and then got first down after first down. So um, yep. I'm hoping Gary Patterson watched that game because that was a clear blueprint on how not to card Jalen Hurts. Um, obviously, Baylor-Oklahoma State's probably, if what I call it, the – <clears throat> marquee matchup this weekend for the Big 12. Um, I think Baylor's a really good team. They should win that game, but I'm curious to see how Oklahoma State um, counters that. I also want to see if the Texas Tech defense is as good as advertised. Um, Iowa State is a good team. I think they're a little less explosive offensively than Oklahoma State, even though they did put up 49 against TCU. So if Texas Tech can hold Iowa State to, let's say, under you know 30 points, I think it's going to be really interesting. But th- th- that's kind of what I'm keeping an eye on. I mean, Oklahoma should beat the you know, the breaks off West Virginia and Texas should do the same to Kansas. So, Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's only those really those two games that are, that are interesting. Um, but I think they're I, the Iowa state, Texas tech, and then Oklahoma state Baylor are interesting because all four of those teams are involved in games that potentially should have gone the other way, multiple games that potentially should have gone uh-huh. the other way. And so you can construct all sorts of counterfactuals where, you know, two of them are six and zero, oh, and two of them are five and one. You could do counterfactuals where all of them are three and three. Yep. And so the wins and losses, especially early on, six and zero oh, Baylor is really not that different than four and two um, Iowa State or three and three Texas Tech. And right. so I, I think this is a little bit of a separation weekend, just because you do have that huge Big Twelve middle class, and we're going to get some clarification on what that middle class is um, this weekend. So yeah, those are those are definitely the ones I'm going to watch. Uh, who cares about the Pac-12? So it's yeah. not like I'm going to watch no, God, no. anything out there. God, no. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, uh, so we do have a couple Q&A questions. Mm-hmm. So in our last couple minutes here, let's let's knock some of those some of those out. I got one actually in my in my DMs, which um, okay. I mean, feel free to feel free to do that. Yeah, slide but in. But this question starting out from. Um, from our friend at Zane underscore underscore IG. Uh, And he says, do you think that Max Duggan is the future for TCU with so many other guys behind him, Rogers, Bolding, Collins next year commits. Does he stay the starter? So I'll throw that to you to start off. Yeah. I I, I, honestly, I think that's a really good question because TCU does have a lot of good quarterbacks that have transferred in um, or that are still on the roster. Um, I'll say this, I think it's Duggan's starting spot to lose, um, which gives him a leg up. You know what I mean? I, I think if they were on an even playing field, there are guys who could argue. Obviously, Matthew Baldwin, Matthew Downing are very um, good quarterbacks. Um, 
but I think it's Duggan's spot to lose. And, and to me, that gives him a leg up. So, yes, I'll say he's the starter going forward. And I do think the experience that he got this year and what he's shown proves that he does have the capability to be an extremely good quarterback. Um, I think it would take a very good quarterback to beat him in spring or fall camp. And if that quarterback arises, then so be it. TCU should start the best quarterback. But, uh, yes, I think Duggan, as of now, is the you know the future going forward. Yeah, I mean, I want the I want the best quarterback to win. I think Matthew Baldwin is really the only guy I see potentially next season coming in and being good. Um, I think if Mike Collins was going to get a chance at the reins, he would have them. Mm-hmm. And I think that the quarterback room uh, with Baldwin coming in next year pushes everybody and challenges them. But I think I think Duggan's the guy. I think Duggan should be the guy. Mm-hmm. I think Duggan has done everything you could ask out of a freshman quarterback, and probably could do more if you would ask more. Which is me getting on my soapbox again. So, uh, yeah, I think Duggan is a viable option for the future, which I think is really the heart of that. It's not like he's a stopgap. He's he's the right. guy. Right. Um, and a, a better guy might come along. But the plan is, hey, if he starts for four years, year, year two, year three, year four, we're going to be very, very good. Monsterly better yeah, on offense. For sure. Cool. Uh, all right. Next question. Uh, Lance Jewett asks, obviously, the Frogs have a lot to improve on. Which improvements do you see us making this week? Which ones are still in progress? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, um, I think, you know, this is kind of a cop-out answer because it's Kansas State and they don't throw the ball um, very well. But I think the secondary will show an improvement this week. I, I think um, they, from what I've gathered, have kind of answered Patterson's challenge in terms of, you know, them not playing very well. I mean, he, he says, you know, the team is either really good or really bad, and they need to find a way to where they're either really good or just kind of good. Um, and I think against Kansas State, against Skylar Thompson, who, I'll be honest, I mean, he hasn't thrown for over 220 yards this season. Um, and I think this is going to be a game where if Kansas State does decide to throw, that the TCU defense will be all over it. So I, I think we'll see an improvement in the secondary. I think in progress, um, this this is a gut feeling, so so don't take it as gospel. But I, I, as much as I want to sort of agree with you, Parker, I don't think the offense is going to open it up as much as we want it to this week. I, th- I think they're going to save that for a different game. Um, so I don't think we'll see the type of ex- you know big play passing game that we saw in the second half against Iowa State against Kansas State this week. Yeah, I agree. I, and and kind of like I said earlier, I think TCU could be Kansas State forty-eight to three. I don't think we're going to call the game mm-hmm. to make that happen, especially with Gary's Texas be satisfied with a win. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I don't think they exactly. want to give away what they want. You know, you know what they want to do against a, a defense like that. Yep. Exactly. Um, and then also to your point about the secondary, I think, yeah, Vernon Scott playing again, um, getting a little more help with depth, even though we lose Van Zant, mm-hmm. he was a little bit erratic. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think definitely step forward. TCU's defense is averaging, uh, allowing 0.127 EPA on the pass right now, mm-hmm. um, in 2019, which is, you know, sixth or seventh in the big 12, not very good. And so I think this is definitely an opportunity for them to do that kind of suffocating, smothering, remind everybody who TCU's defense is. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm putting a lot of hope in the secondary, making as, as, uh, making an effort and then opening up the offense for yeah. sure. Um, so maybe one of those will help the other. Okay, uh, last question that we have. I think I only saw three. Um, the Reed Graber oh, yeah. uh, 
made a spelling error. It's important to know that he he made a typo in this question, and we need to note that for God and uh-huh. everyone. Um, read the poor poor grammatician says probably probably that we make the CFP. So I'm going to do a little inference and say, one, he's asking probability and that CFP stands for college football. Right. And I want to say probably zero. (laughs) Yeah. If the the question is probably, the answer is no, No. it is not probably. Um, So I thought we could take this two directions and kind of end on a a lighter note. Um, So the first one is more fun and let's create a path for TCU to the playoff right now. Okay. Um, And then two... Bulls. What's our best case scenario? Where do you okay. think we end up? So that's kind of putting us on the spot. Yeah. Um, do you have thoughts on getting TCU to the CFP? I do. So by doing so, I'm going to look up first off Oklahoma's who they have left to play. So so we're gonna give Oklahoma a loss to Iowa State. Um, okay. We're gonna give Iowa State a loss to Baylor. Um, nope, that already happened. No. Oh yeah 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 I, yeah. Wait. Yeah. Sorry, not not Oklahoma State. Iowa State lost to Baylor. My bad. Yes. Oh, I mean, I mean, I yeah. My bad. Yep. Okay. This sorry. 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 I, no, I misheard. Yeah. <laughs> Iowa State lost to Baylor. Um, we need Baylor to lose to. Man, this is getting tougher the more I look at it. Okay. We need Baylor to lose to Texas, and then we need TCU yep. to beat Texas and Oklahoma. We need TCU to run the table. Obviously, from here TCU on. TCU wins. Yeah, out. yeah, yeah wins. There are right. two okay, losses. Okay. So then beat Oklahoma in the Big Twelve Championship game. So Oklahoma's two losses. TCU has two losses. Oklahoma and has lost to TCU. Um, yep. so, so twice now. everyone in the Big 12 has two losses. TCU wins the Big 12. Okay. Yeah. Um, let's go ahead and give Alabama the SEC and, and the bid. And you need Alabama to crush LSU yep. and to crush Georgia or Florida. Yep. For sure. And then LSU loses one more game. Let's say, yep. let's say, uh, LSU hasn't played Auburn yet, have they? They have not. Okay. The, Auburn screws up one team every year. So Auburn yep. beats LSU. And then Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game, or Florida, whoever. So two losses for them, and, and their SEC team, SEC East team, right? To be named later. Yeah. That. <laughs> right. Okay. We'll we'll give the Big Ten a bid, either Wisconsin or Ohio State, whoever. Um, ACC Clemson goes. I, I think it actually it needs to be Ohio State. I agree. Because if it's Wisconsin and then one less Ohio State, they can still give Ohio State. Ends. Right. And then Clemson yeah. goes, and then so it's so Wisconsin needs to Wisconsin needs to drop one. Yeah. And then losing the Big Twelve championship, right? So, or the Big Ten, right? So let me pull up Wisconsin's schedule because you need you need two loss non conference champions for sure. I'm you also need Minnesota to go away, but I'm pretty sure they're going to go I, away. So I love PJ Flack, and I really do hope that he. Okay, well, Wisconsin and Ohio State play next week, which oh, I did not know. So they need to split. They need to split, and then they they and then, then one of them wins. One of them the needs to lose time. another right, game. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, we can do that. Then Clemson wins in the ACC. And then no other seed. And then the Pac-12 is the Pac-12. They're not getting a bit. So I, I guess that's the clearest path. And it's still not a clear path. But I think that's kind of the only way. Um, TCU yeah, beating you Oklahoma gotta, twice is basically what it would take. Right. You've got to win out and hope for dominance. And then hope like OU, Texas, and Baylor. Or like OU, Texas, and Iowa State kill everyone else. Right. Except TCU. Right. And they just kind of rise the tides. Um, so probably give me a number zero to 100 probability that this actually happens. 6.9%. We'll call it that six point. Very nice. Um, the, yeah. So like a uh, five thirty eight has their little like playoff uh-huh. scenario and TCU's fallen off of it now because they've lost so whatever, but you can like click all these. 
yeah, you can click all these combinations, and every time I try to do TCU wins out and then anything else happens, it's like, this is too unlikely. This won't happen. <laughs> Good. And so you couldn't even make Good. a path on that Good. in terms of probability. Good time. Um, okay, so let's let's pivot to that then. We're not going to the playoff. What bowl are we going to? Okay. Best case scenario. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling up CBS Sports right now. Their prediction is that uh, TCU is in the Liberty Bowl against Kentucky. Um, I think we can do a little bit better than that just because I don't want TCU and the Liberty Bowl again. Do you remember that Georgia game, the, the, the game that I had the least memory of? Uh, yeah, of any I was game? Uh, hungover at 4 p.m. Yeah, that day. Yeah, that was a good, that was uh, a good time. Jeez, that was an awful game. <laughs> I think, uh, I, I, honestly, I, I still think the Texas Bowl is within reach. Um, I, yeah, because that, that's scenario. like Liberty Bowl except a little bit nice. It's you know, nice that's to, like, yeah. That's like going to Outback instead of Chili's. It still sucks, but you're like, hey, yeah, I'm going to Outback, I'm, I'm, you know? Listen, I love Chili's. I don't want to. <laughs> you know, I, this is off topic, but every Christmas Eve, my family eats at Chili's. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So Texas Bowl or, or, or Alamo Bowl, I think, are probably the, the best bets. So Alamo Bowl, I just don't see a path to the Alamo Bowl because there's, right now, there's four teams decisively in front of TCU. Well, if TCU loses the Big 12 championship game, like, I, it, again, it, yeah. it would take some doing but it's still possible like yeah i think they could get there i think i think most likely is texas or whatever they're calling the one in orlando russell athletic yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um i think those are probably the two world, most likely i think oh it is camping world yeah. gross yeah it's not great yeah no i mean you're probably right because because uh, I, I do think tc will be better than the liberty bowl ah uh, maybe this is getting because de- Kansas State's going to get to six wins. Yeah, this is getting depressing, Parker. Texas Tech's going to get to six wins. Yeah, yeah so Oklahoma State. God, this question kind of got depressing. It really just did. A bit, we, we were just <laughs> in on the latter note. <laughs> this went down. What a end. great note to end. <laughs> um, okay, well that has been uh, this segment of the podcast. <laughs> this is a terrible segue. <laughs> Um, other than that, Grant, enjoyed having you on. Yep. We'll uh, we'll talk this weekend, and then we'll be back next week to uh, break down, hopefully, a TCU 100-point victory. Sounds good, Parker. Have a good week. State perspective. I have Twitter personality KSU underscore fan, also known as Jimmy, who does some awesome online work uh, analyzing some five factors and stats of numbers uh, for college football and for the Big 12 specifically. You've probably seen his colorful charts. Um, Jimmy also does some X's and O's for K State online uh, as part of the Rivals Network. So, Jimmy, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and chatting for a little bit tonight. No problem. Happy to be here and talk some football. Yeah, um, I'm I'm excited for this matchup. I feel like the Big 12 is consistently this big morass of a middle class, and I do not feel like it has been this uncertain in uh, a couple years. And so I'm interested to see we get a little bit of a separation Saturday, and TCU Kansas State is going to be one of those one of those separating games. Yeah, I definitely I would agree with you. I think K State's kind of been in that game every week. I think our our first game, K State fans thought maybe we're competing for the top three or four in the league and obviously Oklahoma State took us out of that and then we thought well maybe we're competing for fourth with Baylor and then you know they they kind of took it to us so now case I think K-State fans kind of have to accept that we're in that middle group of teams and and have a chance to maybe get to a bowl game this year maybe get to seven or eight wins if, if we're really fortunate so uh, 
it's funny how expectations ebb and flow with the season and, and based on who you play and when you play them. Definitely. That was um, that was one of my first questions was just you see Kansas State comes out against Nichols and just drops the hammer like they should have. Bowling Green, 52 to nothing, looks unstoppable, goes to Starkville and beats what we thought at the time was a very solid Mississippi State team um, and then puts up 13 and 12 against Oklahoma State and against Baylor and uh, looks a little slower. So um, about those expectations, what do you chalk that? What do you what do you chalk those differences up to? Is that um, just competition? Is that the team still finding itself? Tell me about kind of the split between non-con and conference play. Well, I, I think to start the year, I think K State and uh, of course we have our new coach, uh, Coach Kleinman. I think he really got the team bought in in the off season. Um, they came in, like you said, dominated Nichols, who they should. That It's a decent FCS team, top 15 FCS team, but clearly not an upper echelon FBS team. And then Bowling Green, which is really a pretty bad FBS team. But, you know, things that, the things that stuck out was K-State was extremely efficient in those games, especially with the new staff. We all kind of thought there might be struggles, even early against it's teams that weren't very good, and they really dominated those. And then, and then like you said, we go to Starkville and – take it to a Mississippi State team that really dominated K-State last year. Just really, last year they beat us, I think, 31-6, to and I don't even think the game was that close. Yeah. And so K-State fans were, you know, going through the roof. We, you know, we want to beat an FCT, SEC team on the road, and people thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe the, the curve that we thought we'd have with climate is ahead of schedule. And then, you know, Oklahoma State, like I said, and then Baylor kind of took us back down to earth. Like you said, the, the offense really wasn't very good. I like to do uh, drive rate stats, and K-State's in those two games had uh, touchdowns on less than 10% of our possessions, which is really, really very bad. Yeah. The, the average in FBS is almost 30%. So when you're talking down that low, you're, you're just not scoring the ball like you need to. And now it's, it's whether that, that the bye week helped and if they can get some of those things corrected and figured out. Definitely. Yeah. So that, that after that Mississippi state game, I was, I was full bore. I was buying in. I, I joked that my ideal playoff at that point, I think it was still in play for it to be LSU, Kansas state, Cal. And, um, Oh, I forget who the fourth now I'm ruining my joke, but I was like, you can get some really <laughs> needy kind of like annoying teams in, um, yeah. in the playoff. And at that point, so I've been playing around with this EPA expected points added yes. metric. And, uh, we've pinged on Twitter about that and stuff. And, um, yeah, at that point, after the Mississippi State game, Skylar Thompson was the second best quarterback in the Big 12 in terms of expected points added. And yeah. so there was this internal conversation of, is he good? And I have an opinion on that. I think he's okay. Um, yeah. But at that point, you really had to figure out, you know, is, is he good? So um, I'll actually flip that question to you. Tell me about Skylar Thompson. That's a, of note to TCU fans especially because yeah. we got – the guy Skyler Thompson beat out of a job, uh, Delton, to come down and supplement our quarterback room. So Skyler Thompson is—is is this a renaissance? Is this—is he good, or has he just been good against bad competition, um, or or what's going on with him? I, I think there's a mix of things going on. I think, um, like I said, he played really well against you know two pretty bad teams to start the year, and, and actually played pretty well at Mississippi State. Um, mm -hmm. But after the Mississippi State game, K-State lost uh, a freshman receiver called named Malik Knowles. And he was uh, okay. probably 
our big play threat, like th- maybe the only legitimate big play threat K-State has at receiver this year. I mean, K-State has probably four of our top six receivers this year are former walk-ons. And so when, whenever you have that as the case, you're just not – you don't have – and they're good players. Dalton Schoen is, is a really nice supplemental receiver. Um, and a couple other guys, Brooks, could be a pretty good player. But they're still former walk-ons. I mean, it, it speaks for itself when, you, when you're relying on that as, as your, your threat at receiver. And, and, and since Knowles has been out, the offense really just doesn't have any vertical threat. And I think K-State came out against Oklahoma State trying to throw the ball and, and had a few opportunities to try to throw it deep against one high safety or even zero coverage with no safeties, and they couldn't beat them. And then, and then once teams figured out K-State can't throw the ball down the field, you can load the box, you can play the run, and then you know they kind of took away K-State's bread and butter, which was power running game. And, and since then, K-State's really struggled. Yeah, it's 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 eerie how kind of mirror inverse Kansas State and TCU are, but for for different reasons. So TCU definitely has, I mean, TCU has the wide receiver talent, um, but for whatever reason, just can't get that going. You know, freshman quarterback, some scheme issues, and all that, and is having to rely on the run game, which, you know, running is great, but when that's all you can do, yeah. it really it really becomes tough to score points, especially in a league where it's basically you know it's. It's it's uh, I said earlier, I had a guest before this and I said it was, it's, it's a bowling. It, it, it's a, a game of bowling, right? A match. Yeah. I don't know what you call it, but it's like you get you get a turn and you're probably going to score and I get a turn and I have to score. Otherwise, I'm in a hole I can't get out yeah. of. And um, the running game will be interesting. Um, OK, we'll get we'll get into specifics of the game here in one second. I do want to just detour and talk about Chris Lyman, uh, a guy I have a lot of respect for. I um, have some ties to the Big Sky Conference, so I've just kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, watch some of those North Northern FB, uh, FCS teams. I was actually there uh, at, when it was his his North Dakota State played at Montana, and it was game day. Uh, oh, wow. I think 2015. Yeah, yeah. And so um, followed him. A lot of respect for him. He's clearly shown a, a an ability to come in and keep a, an excellent program excellent. So, um, are you or Kansas State fans treating this as a year zero for Kleiman? Are they expecting a bowl? Um, what are they expecting in terms of returns and, and how quickly Kansas state can become a power again? Yeah, that's great questions. Um, I think in the off season, once he was hired, once people kind of bought in um, to the hire and not, and not everybody does did because the, the FCS stigma kind of came with him, but you know, you, you, you see what the guy did at, at the level he was at and, you know, clearly he can coach football Um the key was whether or not he could recruit and bring in the kind of talent you got to win, have to win in the Big 12. Um, but I think really, you know, the expectations jumped in that Mississippi State game, like I said. But really, I think we're probably back down to where most people thought we'd be at the beginning of the season. Um, we knew we'd have struggles. Like I, I mentioned the receivers. K-State also returned no scholarship player at running back this year. And so they went out and got James Gilbert, who's a Ball State transfer, they got uh, Brown, who's a transfer from North Carolina, who's who's now out. Trotter was a transfer from Louisville, who was actually a walk-on originally. And then there's a couple freshmen in uh, Irvin and Wright that are playing a little bit that you might see Saturday. Um, so, I mean, you retool running back, you retool receiver. Um, his offense is real tight end, fullback heavy. And, and K-State had kind of one returning tight end that played last year, the, another one that, that – was recruited and was highly thought of, but got hurt 
and tore his ACL the first game last year for us. So there's a lot of questions on offense. Defensively, there's more returning. Offensive line had some guys coming back. But really, roster-wise, we knew um, – I think fans were kind of hoping for six wins, but probably five was more realistic um, for where we're at this season. I think, you know, there's still hope maybe case they can get to six, but uh, obviously Saturday would be a key game for that to happen. Um, but I think most people um, realize what Kleiman's got ahead of them. With the offensive struggles, of course, fan reaction, you know, goes all over the place. You've probably seen it plenty with TCU. But fans have kind of dropped off the map on uh, the offensive coordinator, Courtney Messingham, the last couple of games. I think you still got to give them time. But, you know, when your offense – can't score fans get upset pretty quickly so i'm sure you've seen that before too uh yes we are we are no stranger (laughs) to that uh i'm sorry i blacked out for a second because i thought about a uh wildcat formation on fourth and one from the goal line where our running back (laughs) tried to throw a pass so uh yeah (laughs) it was uh very frustrating they actually brought alex delton in and on third down and lined him up like in a wildcat like he was sort of pistol sort of weird and he just did a dive and they didn't let him throw, and then they, yeah, so ran the ran the running back. So we're we're all about the uh, the offensive struggles, uh, which is what I'm, I'm worried about in this game, honestly. So let's let's turn to kind of the X's and O's of the game uh, and a little bit of the numbers. Um, I'm worried that this is going to be an ugly game. SP plus has TCU favored by three, but also projects the over, which is 45. And I'm looking at both of these offenses, both averaging negative expected points per play. And I'm thinking 45 seems like a lot of points. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't see this. I see, I mean, I could see it maybe right at 45, but it'd be tough for me to take the over in that situation. Cause I, I agree with you. The, these offenses both aren't very good. I think probably with Patterson's pedigree, your defense probably is the TCU defense is probably better. Um, but K-State's defense has not been terrible. I mean, they've given up some big plays, but they haven't given up a lot of scoring, which is which is always good. But yeah, yeah and, I, and I have this uh, I don't have this opponent adjusted. But again, an EPA per play, Kansas State is actually ahead of TCU. Um, they're just slightly negative per play, which on defense is good. Yeah. Um, and TCU is just very slightly positive. So they're neck and neck. But Kansas State has been a little bit better. Again, not opponent adjusted, but um, their defensive unit is is stout. Um, and then you couple that with the time of possession. Um, in terms of plays per second, Kansas State is the third slowest team in the nation. And so yeah. um, I think it's going to get grindy really, really fast. Yeah. Yeah. K-State, I mean, K-State probably wants eight or nine possessions on offense for each team. Um, I, you guys play a little bit faster, probably more like 12 or 13 possessions mm-hmm. per game. So that's going to dictate a lot. I think if TCU can play fast and, and get some rhythm on offense – um, they'll be in they'll be in pretty good shape. You know, K-State, I, always, I like to look at success rate, one of Connolly's stats. And uh, K-State needs to be at 45 to 50%. And then TCU actually leads the league at, in uh, uh, success rate defense at only 33%, which is really impressive. I don't – I look at that and I don't know how people are scoring against you guys the way they are because it seems like, from what I can see, if you get inside the 40-yard line against TCU, you're scoring a touchdown. That, am I right on that? Yeah, very, it's very kind of much strange. so. It's bizarre. Right, right. And so that's actually a, that's actually an interesting conversation. I love, again, this is, you know, uh, the statsy version of the Frogs of War podcast. And so we're <laughs> going to go on this detour. But I think that's actually, 
uh, a little bit of the trouble with success rate um, because yeah. I think success rate is a little bit like batting average, right? Yeah. No, and yeah. um, that's where I love something like EPA and trying to get more of like an on-base on base average, uh, an on-base percentage kind of stat because really what it is is teams aren't successful often, but when they are, they're very successful. Yeah. Um, and so like yeah. big chunk yards have really, really struggled uh, or really, really hurt TCU. But outside of a couple of those miscommunications, TCU has been really, really good. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. The other thing I was looking at is, is TCU's in the top three in the league, I think, in Havoc, which is, you know, another stat I like to look at um, on defense. And it seems like TCU's always really good at creating Havoc on defense with the front four and the, the aggressive style that Patterson's defenses play. So, I mean, that that scares me a little bit because K-State's really, really struggled with against Baylor, giving up Havoc plays, almost gave up 30% on offense, which is which is pretty terrible. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's kind of something we've talked about at like TCU is that the defensive line has actually been underwhelming, which I mean, they've been they've been good, but they just haven't been uh, kind of what people expected. And so that's kind of um, an interesting point uh, a matchup there just to see if TCU's defense can actually do what it should do um, yeah. against against Kansas State. Um, OK, so let's transition into into some of those. Uh, more specific numbers and kind of looking at the game. Uh, how does Kansas State beat TCU this weekend? What what has to go right? What do they do? Um, and how do they if they if they're looking back and and it's twenty four twelve Kansas State and they've won? How did that happen? What's their best case scenario? I, I think it starts with K State being able to run the football. Um, the last couple games, the the big difference once K State got into the Big Twelve play is against even against Mississippi State, but especially against the, the non-con teams, K-State was really good in the power running game. I go back after every game and, and watch the – I'm over an offensive guy myself, so I watch the offense. I chart uh, plays, and I'm not, super, I'm not completely accurate probably on every play, but I chart power, I chart zone, I chart play action, drop back pass, all that stuff. And K-State was really good in the power running game in the first three games. And then the last three games, K-State's – their power running game has just dropped off the map. Um, they're only – they've only gotten 56 yards on 22 runs in the power running game the last two games in Big 12 play. 2.6 yards a carry, only a 22% success rate. And that was after over a 50% success rate in the non-con in those three games with power wow. out. Wow. Now, they've, they've still been able to run the zone, uh, zone running game pretty good in Big 12 – in those two Big 12 games, over five yards to carry, 45.8% success rate. So so my thing is, are, are they going to lean more heavy on zone run and go away from power? I, you know, they were known at North Dakota State. Uh, basically, most of the staff was there on the offensive side of the ball at North Dakota State as being a power running team and, and running power probably, you know, 30, 35% of the time. And, and now if, if that's not working, what's their, what's their answer? Are they going to go zone? Um, which is what K-State's line was probably more used to and, and pick spots for power. So, so really the running game for K-State comes down. And then K-State's got to get some big plays somehow. Um, like I said, maybe the Mississippi State game, the big warning to K-State fans should have been our biggest play was 24 yards and winning that game. Wow. And if and if you don't get chunk plays in college football, it's hard to drive the ball consistently and score. And and we see that all the time with with explosive offenses like Oklahoma 
in the league. And if K-State can't figure out a way to, to run the ball consistently and then get a few big plays in the, in the passing game, especially on play action, they're going to have trouble with TCU. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about kind of, you know, power and how that may or may not translate to the Big 12, where everyone's lining up seemingly fewer and fewer men uh, on, yes. the, on the line and kind of trading off power and filling gaps for kind of flexibility and speed. Yeah. And so you could see that power run game being a little confusing for linemen who are used to, hey, I'm going to go to position of the field and find someone. And yeah. now it's, hey, run this, like pull this specific way and hit this guy. Well, if there's not a guy there, but what happens to the play? And so, yeah, you're, um, that's yeah. exactly right. That's, and that's been the issue is we've K-State hasn't been able to get guys to, to the second level and get linebackers and safeties picked off. And then, you know, they're getting stopped for no gain or negative yards on a lot of power plays. Definitely. Um, which is, yeah, I mean, I think that's going to be, that's that, that line. It, it really does come back to the line of scrimmage because so much of Kansas state is going to be dependent on, can we move guys where we want to move? Can we soak up a bunch of time with, you know, successful, consistent drives. Can we make you commit to the run so so much that you have to give up a little bit of the pass and then sneak something by you? Yeah. Um, definitely. Um, okay, so then this is a little bit the inverse, but um, if, if Kansas State beats themselves, right? So we'll take TCU yeah. out of the equation. If Kansas State, how, how do they beat themselves this weekend? Well, I think, you know, if, if, if TCU comes out and really stymies K-State's offense early, I mean, I, there's already doubt in the K-State offense, probably from the players a little bit. I mean, I'm sure, you know, you get a bye week, the coaches build you back up, they tweak the game plan, they put in some new sets and, and make some adjustments to how we're going to be able to run the football and be consistent, um, which has been their kind of preaching. we got to be more consistent on offense. And then if TCU comes out and really stymies K-State's offense early, when does that offense start to, to – to not believe anymore in what we're trying to do with our offensive system. And I think a lot of it is just personnel. We just don't have the talent to do quite what they want to do. And, and if you don't have deep threats on offense, especially a receiver, it makes it real tough. Yeah. If, 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 and then, and then the, I mean, of course the big thing always is turnovers. I mean, really even, you know, even though K state Baylor ended up, you know, 31 to, to 12 K state had the ball early in the fourth quarter, down 17-6 to six, on Baylor's side of the field, first and 10, and, and uh, Thompson throws an interception, and that's really when the game turned. I mean, K-State, you go down and drive and cut it to one score game, that may go down to the, the, the end of the fourth quarter, but that right. kind of turned the game, and, and turnovers are always going to be key in, in any football, and I think really K-State's probably got to be plus two, plus three to win this game, I think. Um, even, I think, is going to probably favor TCU just because I think you guys have a little bit better defense. Yeah, and 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 again, I keep coming back to this kind of mirror image duality between Kansas State and TCU. But TCU has put the ball on the ground a bunch this year, um, and they have been a little bit better with interceptions. They've gotten lucky to avoid avoid a couple that probably should have been picked, but uh, they they've really been fumble heavy. And then on the defensive side of the ball, haven't really gotten turnovers, and and that's that's no. really limited them. So you look at whoever. I mean, again, this sounds like it's the 1950s and I'm a, yes. I'm a old school coach, but it's like whoever wins the line of scrimmage, whoever wins the turnover battle is going to win this game just because these two teams are kind of uh, scrambling to, to find themselves in, in all that. Um, 
All right. So hit me, hit me with a prediction. Uh, no one will ever second guess this. So there is zero pressure, but um, what do you think is going to happen this weekend? Who's going to win? What's the score? Yeah. I, my initial thought, I mean, par- partially because I'm a crazy optimistic fan most of the time. I think K-State has got to do something well at some point. Um, I, I pick a close game right at your overmark. I was, I'm thinking something like 24-20 K-State. Probably comes down to mid-late fourth quarter. Um, at some point, K-State makes a play, gets a turnover, and, and kind of puts this game away. But, you know, I, this is a coin flip game to me. Definitely. Uh, uh, very, very strong shades of last year where it was just kind of a like, I think this is going to be very similar to last year's game, just a little better on both sides. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll definitely see how that pans out. Um, okay. So I have two more questions for you mm-hmm. and then we will, um, we will wrap up. So they're, they're kind of too broad and they're different. Um, but I want to ask because you do some of these great visuals and these really compact charts that have a, a ton of information on them. Yeah. Uh, and so, I love stats. I love all that stuff behind it. And so I just want to talk about your setup and kind of how are you managing data and what are you working in and how are you producing those um, those charts? How, how long does it take you a week? Um, all that. Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, in basketball, I've always been a Ken Palm guy and uh, I like to do similar charts for, and I probably started doing those charts for basketball first, probably, I don't know, seven, eight years ago just breaking down basketball stats and, and the key for me in basketball is per possession and getting rid of tempo and pace because traditional box score stats are simply too biased to me. Right. Right. And definitely. As so, I've looked at, you know, you know, the last couple of years started following Bill Connolly and, and Brian Fremont, what those guys are doing with stats. I started seeing more of the per drive stats, per play stats, um, Connolly's five factors, and I just kept thinking, surely there's got to be something like that that we can do for football and, and come up with a better system. And I think Conley's five factors was kind of the first because he did the research, put some stuff together. And then actually I had some conversations uh, on, on Twitter with Brian Fremaw about, you know, can you put some per drive stats together? And so he started, he's made a, a separate page on his website for per drive stats, but they don't come out until Tuesdays. And then I started looking around uh, you guys' site, um, Frogs of War, and I saw some of the stuff you had, uh, College Football Data, I believe, is the yeah. site. And they have all the drive stats there. And I'm like, man, I, so I've, the last couple of days, I've just dove in and, and been taking some of their stats and then, you know, trying to get rid of garbage possessions because I think that's important. And then I started making my own per drive stats, very similar to what Fremont's doing on his site. But now I can do it on my own. I can do it kind of the way I want to. And, and I've always just liked to rank Big 12 teams by those, you know, kind of possession-free categories. So that's kind of – and I do it all on Excel. I just import the data, CSV files, and make it. And then, you know, to me, visual is important. I like using the official colors and matching everything as much as possible. I'm actually an art teacher by trade. So oh, cool. I, I like design stuff. I like doing graphic design stuff. So I like them. I mean, the problem is there's so much info on the stuff I put out there. I think most people just can't even read it probably because it's way too much. But it's kind of something I like to do. And, and people that really like stats kind of get into it. Yeah. Oh, they're I mean, so they're great enjoy. references. Yeah. When I'm when I'm watching a game on Saturday and I've and I've 
retweeted yours and I'm going to point people back to your Twitter because these are awesome. I watch a game on Saturday and I will go and pull it up and be like, man, how are, how are they compared to everyone else? Just because it's the most succinct place to get it all. Yeah. So um, that's awesome. That's very cool. Um, and yeah, the color is the color. I think the color is the best part because I, I don't even have to. <laughs> I can't see it all. And so I can just see like, oh, it's the, there's TCU right there. It's the, yeah. the royal purple, not the flat purple. So yeah, that's right. uh, those are those are awesome. OK, here's my here's my final question. I ask every guest. I'm going to put you on the spot. Who are your four playoff teams? Wow. I mean, I think. I think you got to go with Alabama. It's hard for me to pick against them right now right. as far as, as, you know, I think Nick Saban is maybe the greatest college football coach we've ever seen. So um, I would, I would go with them. Um, I think Oklahoma's going to make it. I mean, I look at the numbers they're putting up and the improvement they've made on defense is really the big key for me. Um, Ohio state looks really good. So I'd put them in the conversation. And then, you know, I hate picking another SEC team, but it might be LSU this year. LSU might be in the mix. But then, you know, it's hard to go away from Clemson either. So I'd say four of those five is probably what I would pick. You know, Wisconsin could sneak in there. I don't completely believe in them just because they're a, slot, a plotting Big 12, Big 10 team. But, you know, I, I would say four of the five that I mentioned first. Definitely. And I'm rooting for as few of those five to get in as possible because yeah, it feels so inevitable. I want something so weird to happen. Yeah. It'd be fun cool. to see, you know, fun to see someone different. You know, you get, you're getting, definitely getting Alabama Clemson fatigued at this point, but you know, yeah. they're the best teams too. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's it, you can't even be mad about it. You're just like, I just don't, yeah, they're, they're better. They're on another level. Um, well, uh, Jimmy, this has been great. Thanks so much for your time. Um, where can people find you, um, online and, uh, see your work? Most, um, the most, most of the stuff I put out there is on a, at KSU fan, KSU underscore fan on Twitter. Um, I post stuff. If you're, if you're watching the game from TCU's perspective, I, I post stats live that will have kind of five factors charts. I, I I'll be in the press box actually i do some stuff for kso and get a chart at live which is nice it's kind of fun oh, awesome. to be able to sit up there and i do also do some charting of of kind of generic formations and play calls that i'll put up there from k-state's offensive perspective so there's some things you can look at during the game if you're a tcu fan on on saturday and kind of see how you guys are doing compared to how k-state's doing and then uh, i i work like i said do some analysis for k-state online um, but that's on their pay site. So I do a lot of different stuff for them. I do weekly. I'll do, I'll break down 30 to 40 offensive plays and gifts and put them on their site and, and do X's and O's type stuff too. So I like to do that too. Awesome. Very cool. Um, well, we will throw that in the show notes too and direct people there. So on Saturday they can, uh, follow along as TC plays K state. Um, Thanks so much for your time, man. Enjoyed having you on. And uh, I'm sure we'll be chatting on Twitter in the uh, in the future. Awesome. Thank you.